If you have your Bibles, you're going to find yourself in the book of Ephesians. You're going to be in chapter 1 as we continue our journey through this wonderful book, this book that uh, helps us to understand that we are wealthy. Apparently that doesn't stir you up. (laughs) This is the book that tells us how wealthy we are. Do you realize if you're in Christ Jesus, you're wealthy? See, well, Brother Mike, you hadn't looked at my bank account lately. I am. I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about things you cannot put a price tag on. We are wealthy people who come to know Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is in us. And when He comes and sits up resident in us, He brings everything we need with Him. We are wealthy people. This morning we're going to look and we're going to be uh, in verse number 11 going through verse number 14, chapter 1. And we're going to look at a message entitled, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcomed. Holy Spirit, You Are Welcomed. My prayer today is that you have invited the Holy Spirit to visit with us today. I know many of you have prayed and, oh, we need to continue to pray. But I pray every, every morning, I pray, oh, Holy Spirit, may you have free reign with us this morning. Because we need to understand that there's somebody in the house that needs to know Him in a personal way. Amen. I'm just telling you. There's somebody here today that needs to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And if the Holy Spirit is not working, they will not realize their need of a Savior. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sinful nature. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us that we're in need of a Savior. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to realize that we are doomed and destined for a place called hell. But the Lord Jesus wants to pick us up out of the miry clay and lift us and take us to heaven for all eternity. The Holy Spirit has to be here today for that to happen. And so if you have Bibles, you're in Ephesians. You're found uh, chapter 1. We're in verse 11 going through verse number 14. This is what the Bible says. It says, In whom also we have attained an inheritance, being predestined. Now, he's already used that word once before here. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, that verse right there is loaded. That just that one verse right there is loaded. But we're going to continue on. He says that we should be uh, to, the, uh, to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. That's another word that we're going to look at. We'll find it in another place. Trusted. What does that word mean? We're going to look at that in just a moment. And then verse number 13. It says in whom... We also, I, I don't know, do you understand how, how wealthy we are? I mean, he, he just keeps on putting it out there, doesn't he? 
He said, and also, 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 oh, by the way, here's something else you need to know. I'm telling you, we have a, a Lord who wants to help us to realize the wealth that we have in knowing Him. He just keeps on giving it out there. He says, who also trust it. After that, ye have heard the word, he the word of the, of the truth, of the gospel of your salvation, whom also, see there's the also, also. Are you starting to catch what I'm trying to relate to you this morning? I just, he just keeps on wanting to pour it out on us. He just wants to keep on blessing us. He wants to keep on telling us, you got everything you need. You got everything you need. You don't need to be defeated. You know to understand that you got everything. You can be an overcomer for the glory of God. He just keeps on pouring it. I'm telling you, we are rich. We're rich beyond our wildest imagination. We're rich because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When He saved our soul, He just kept pouring it out on us. Well, somebody ought to get stirred on this. He says in the salvation, in whom also after that we believed and you were sealed. That's another word that we're going to look at this morning. You were sealed. I'm telling you, uh, he, he just keeps on giving it to you, keeps on giving it to you, and he's not going to take it back. Oh, glory to God. When he gives you something, he doesn't take it back. Now, you're not going to find that anywhere else. There's a lot of people who are willing to give you a lot of stuff, but then sooner or later, you're going to have to pay for it. There's a whole lot of people want you to be in a brand new car today. I'm telling you. There's somebody that's in the real estate business that wants to get you into a new home. But sooner or later, you're going to have to pay for it. What Jesus Christ has given you, He's already paid for it, and you don't have to pay anything for it. The only thing we have to do is be obedient and receive what He's given us. And He says, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Look at verse number 14. Which is the earnest down payment. Which is the down payment of our inheritance. He's already told us once about our inheritance. He mentions it again. Do you understand? You have an inheritance. Now, you might not get one down here. Oh, not only do you get your inheritance when you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You get some of it here, but you're also going to get it when you get there. He says, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase of possession unto the praise of His glory. So by God's grace, these next few moments, we're going to look at uh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I'm already stirred but what your words already have spoken to me. Lord, I pray that I'm able to convey uh, to these wonderful people this morning what you wanted them to understand. Lord, I pray that you would use me. Lord, I know I'm not worthy. Lord, I know the only reason why I'm behind this pulpit today is because of your wonderful, marvelous grace, and I can't get over it. But I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me so that I can convey the message, not Mike's message, but your message today. Lord, I pray that there's someone here today that does not know you. Lord, I pray today that they will realize how wealthy they can be in you. 
Lord, I pray today that you'll set somebody free. Lord, I pray today that you'll bring conviction to someone that's not doing what they ought to be doing for you. They've kind of backed off a little bit. They've gotten kind of lazy about oh, what they know they need to be doing. And Lord, I pray that you just prick their heart. Lord, I pray that you would stir them. And Lord, I pray that not only will you step on some toes today, but Lord, more important, I pray that you step on some hearts. Lord, we need to hear from you because many of us have been living poorly, but yet we're so wealthy. Forgive us for the sins of not only commission, but forgive us today of sins of omission. Lord, thank you for what you've done. And I'm praising you and I'm thinking, I'm believing you're going to do something in these next few moments that we have together. All praise, all glory goes to you and you alone. And we pray it in your name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So here we see uh, that there, when we're looking at uh, this subject of the Holy Spirit, Notice uh, a number of things in these verses. First of all, we see that we have to talk about a person. Now, notice the verse that I read, verse number 11. It says, in whom? He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's talking about, here again, he's talking about the wealth that he wants to give out. Do you understand that uh, the Lord Jesus is quite free distributing his wealth? Now, uh, many of us will agree that maybe our government's been doing too good of a job of that. You know, they're just throwing money everywhere. But the Lord Jesus is quite free about giving His wealth out. But not only to believers. He also will give some to unbelievers. Because when you look at wealth, you have to bring grace right alongside it. And grace has been extended to every one of us. If you're saved, it's because of His grace. If you're not saved, He's still showing you His grace. You might not recognize it, but He's allowing you to get in on some of this wealth that He wants to give out. What do you mean by that? Well, of the air that you're breathing right now, it's because of His grace. Uh, do you understand the roof that's over our heads today? It's uh, by His grace. We understand that job that you'll be going to in the morning is because of His grace. My dear friend, we need to understand if you're lost or if you're saved, the reason why we have the wealth that we can enjoy is because of the grace and the love and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's all in Him. He's responsible for it. No one else can take credit. We can't take credit for what we have. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 45, we understand this. He says that the sun will rise on the evil as well as the good. And He said it will rain on the just as well as the unjust. You need to recognize the fact that the grace of God is working in your life. If you're sitting here today, it's because of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that grace, He has a treasure chest 
full of blessings that He wants to bestow upon you. But you'll never receive the rest of that and come, uh, until you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. See, even though you're experiencing some of His grace, I'm telling you, He has a whole lot more that He wants to give you. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you abundant life. And you're here today, well, I'm here today, all because of His grace. Do we understand today? It's by God's grace. And because if it's His grace, every one of us should be on our knees and praising God and glorifying God and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ because none of us deserve what He has given us. Do you understand today? You don't deserve what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible is quite clear that there was none good, no, not one. Uh, the Bible also tells us that your righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible also says that even while you were yet a sinner, God showed His grace to you. Oh, glory. Somebody ought to give Him praise in the house this morning because of His glory, of His grace. He's allowed you to hear a gospel message. He's allowed you to sit in the pew that you're sitting in this morning. He's able to uh, that you go home, you, the home that you go to. It's all because of Him. Oh, my word. We have not praised Him enough. We have not lived oh, like we ought to be living because we're living poorly because we have not recognized the wealth that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Him and Him alone. But notice in verse number 11, we see there's a plan involved. What's this plan? Well, this plan, the Bible says, was predestined. Now, we heard a lot about that. Our convention that's meeting in Dallas, they're probably going to hear quite a bit about it. But they're not going to hear it in many times like what the Bible says it is. Predestined does not mean that God's already picked and choose. Did you hear what I said? God doesn't pick and choose because it's God's will for all men to be saved. That's the reason why we give a gospel presentation. That's the reason why we give a public invitation. Because even though God knows who's going to be saved, He does not do anything to hinder that. Matter of fact, He's done everything He can to tear the barriers down and to give you all access to Him. He did that when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that the day the Lord Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated the people from the Holy of Holies, which is where they believe the presence of God was. The Bible says when Jesus Christ died on that day, that veil, that barrier, that wall was torn in half. And it was torn in half because no longer do we have to have a priest to get to the Lord. No longer do you have to have a preacher to get to the Lord? You can go into the throne room of grace on your own and you can be in the very presence of God and there was no barriers. I'm telling you, He's tore all barriers down so you could get to Him. It's God's will for all men to be saved. And so He's pre, it says, no, notice He says we've been predestined. That means that He knew about this we talked about it last week. He knew about this before the foundations of the world were established. Now look, some people think, well, you know, God made the earth and then He went ahead and said, well, okay, let, let's try this. And so 
We see the Old Testament, which is a shadow of something far greater to come. Okay, that didn't work, so I guess I better go to my backup plan. My dear friend, you need to understand this morning, God never had a backup plan. It's always been God's plan for men to be saved. And it's always been God's plan for men to be saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm telling you, we're in trouble. We're in trouble within our convention because there are many and it's gaining ground of those who believe that God's already picked and choosed. I'm telling you, I don't want any part of that type of theology because it's not Bible. The Bible is quite clear that God established before the foundation of the world, He had a plan. And He's not backed up from that plan. He doesn't have to tweak that plan. That plan was perfect from the get-go. And when something is done right, and when something is truth, you don't have to go and change anything about it. And so this plan that He had for you, by the way, this plan is for every one of us. He had this plan before the foundations of the world. It was predestined. Now he goes on and he says that he worketh. Notice the word. He worketh. That in the tense that's used, it means it's ongoing. Ongoing. This plan is an ongoing plan. The Holy Spirit that now sits in residence in you if you're saved, it's an ongoing process. None of you have arrived, by the way. I know there's some that think they have. They think they got it all down. They got an answer. I mean, they, they, they know everything. You know anybody like that, don't look at your neighbor. Husbands, don't dare say it was your wife. Wives, don't say it's your husband. They think they know everything. Well, my dear friend... There's no one in this room that knows everything. But we do know one who does know everything. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is an ongoing. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's an ongoing. But notice also, he says, of his counsel. Very interesting word. The meaning of that word means it's God's determined purpose that cannot change. Now watch this. He also uses the word will. Will, that word means God's desire. So put it all together. Here's what the Holy Spirit's doing in you. If you're saved, He is working. It's an ongoing work. He wants to continue to teach you. He wants to continue to, uh, to, uh, to encourage you. Uh, but notice, it's a plan, uh, God's plan. What is He doing? He's working God's plan in you. A plan that will not change. And it's God's desire for you to get in on His plan. Oh, I'm, I'm fixing to have a spell right here. It's, it's not getting your plan. It's God's plan. And the problem that we have in many of our churches is because we have all these grand plans and we should not plan. I'm not saying that. But too many times we've, in our planning, we plan the Holy Spirit out of it. 
What we need to be doing is not, hey, what do you think is going to work? Hey, what do you think we ought to do? What we ought to be doing is getting on our knees and begging God, God, will you show us what you have us to do? Because we want to do God's plan. I don't know about you, but I've already determined in my life, I want to do what God wants me to do. Not what anybody else wants to do. I want what God, and I'm telling you, this church ought to be in unison about praying. God, we want in on your plan. Because it's a perfect plan. And part of that plan is doing God's will, right? It says doing them well. What's God's will? For all men to be saved. That's part of His will. And so here, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. We see this plan. God is talking. He says, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Oh, do you understand that today? That promise was not only for Jeremiah. It's for every one of us. It was even before there was a before. God had a plan for your life. And notice Jeremiah's, his plan was to be a prophet That's what he says. Notice the plan that he had was laid out before the foundation of the world was established. I don't know about you, that blows me away. You mean God? God thought about me before there was a beginning? Yes. That's the reason why I, 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 it, it, it is a horrible thing to think that our nation has forgotten this because we're still aborting babies. And I understand many don't even realize what they're doing because they're dead in their trespasses and they're blind, spiritually speaking. That little baby, and, and, I, and I have a CD, I'm going to show it to you. Oh, i got to get it all together. But I was uh, shown a little ultrasound just this past week of a 10-week-old little baby. And in the ultrasound, it looks like that little baby was wrapped around a hand. It's an awesome picture. Why is it so awesome? Because that's exactly what takes place. The hand of God is on that little one because He has a purpose and a plan for them just like He has a purpose and plan for you. And here's the problem. Many of you have not followed through with following the plans that God's laid out for you. You're not saved. That's God's plan for you. God died for you. You. Also, many of you have trusted Jesus Christ. And you know where you're supposed to be walking. You know the path that's been given to you, but you've been disobedient. You've either flat out refused it, or because of your sin... You decided to take a different route. 
And because of that, many of you are suffering the consequences for that. I'm just telling you. I'm not here to put you down. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just here to give you truth. God has a plan for you. And when we don't follow God's plan, we'll suffer the consequences. And so the plan, but then there's the purpose. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. In verse number 12, you also have to go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, it talks about a workmanship. And as I was thinking about workmanship, the word means, uh, and the word means, we get our English word poem from that. And because of that, it's talking about an artist who is working on, on, on his work, on his craft there. And he finally gets the right words and he, he pins them and, and it becomes a masterpiece. Okay? Now, that word also, and I got an illustration here. If I don't fall on my head. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, 10, it says that we, talking about believers, are His workmanship or His masterpiece. Take that a little further. We are His trophies of grace. Now, we understand trophies, and this is one of the ones of about 150 we have around here somewhere. I think it's a softball or something. But anyway, it's a trophy. And they got this trophy because they won, right? Okay, apparently I need to slow down. Okay. Maybe, maybe y'all don't realize what a trophy's for. Okay, let's try this again. They got this trophy because they won. Right? Okay, thank you. Y'all got me worried. Got me worried. Oh, I know what messed you up. Because you're the ones that got the participation trophies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hey, it is what it is, right? And, don't, and I could go off on that, but I'm not going to do that. Anyway, we're, we're His workmanship or we're His trophies of grace. Now, when you're a trophy of His grace, you've won something. You've won eternal life. You've won abundant life. Not because of your attributes and your, your skills, but because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Now, I, I, let me use my spiritual imagination. Okay, I understand theologically speaking, I, I'm off base. But I just can't help believe that God the Father is up there. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews, there's a great cloud of witnesses. And, and I just can't help but that when you got saved... When Reagan came down uh, on Thursday and gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't help but think that uh, maybe the God the Father looked around at the angelic host and he says, Oh, got another trophy for the trophy case. Trophy of your grace. Every one of you has been saved. You're a trophy of your grace. Now, what do we do with trophies? We like to show them off, don't we? we? Hey, we do. We like to display them. 
when the, when the, oh, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, man, they were proud. They raised that thing and they skated around and did all kinds of crazy things. And, uh, I mean, uh, when we oh, get that and when you see uh, someone and uh, when the College World Series is uh, fixing to be uh, played and uh, whoever wins that, Florida Gators. Uh, but anyway, whoever will win that thing, uh, I'll tell you, here's what's going to happen. If the, whoever wins that thing, national champions, they're going to be raising that up and they're going to say, yeah, look what we've done. Oh, look what we've done. My dear friends, when we're a trophy of grace, we don't go around tooting our own horns, but we ought to be going around saying, look what Jesus did for me. Look what Jesus did for me. Oh, look what Jesus did for me. <laughs> Trophies of grace. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit oh, wants us, and it says that we ought to be on display. Not for ourselves, but for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But notice the other word, Jesus. He says, trusted. Those who have trusted. Interesting word here. That word trusted means, in the tense that it's presented here in the text, means ongoing trust. It's continual. You just don't trust Jesus and then walk away. You trust Jesus and you keep on trusting 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 Jesus. And notice it's an ongoing trust. Here's what the word actually means. An ongoing trust that changes the life of the one trusting. Some of you didn't get that. You're trusting, which means it's an ongoing trust and it's changing you. Don't come up and tell me that you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and you haven't done one blessed thing to show evidence of it. You're still cussing like you cussed. You're still drinking like you've been drinking. You're still running around like you've been running around. Don't come tell me. Because my Bible tells me, Sam, there they go. That's the reason I don't like to come to church. Because they make you feel guilty about it. Well, I've come to find out when someone makes me feel guilty, it's usually because I'm guilty. Amen? We're not here judging anybody. But the Word of God has every right to judge you. If there's no change, you're not saved. It says when you're trusting, it's ongoing. It changes the life of the one who is trusting. But then there's the promise. Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, what is the promise? Notice he uses that word again. He says trust. Trust. How can you trust? Well, the first thing you have to do before you can trust is confess. Romans 10, 9. Going in verse number 10 as well. Says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So the first step to trusting is confessing. What are you confessing? You're agreeing to what God's already said about you. What has God said about you? That you're a sinner by nature and by choice. There's none good. No, not one. Do, do, do I need to keep on going on? It, it says, 
that you are lost. And so you're confessing that. You're confessing that you're a sinner. And you're confessing and agreeing to what God said. God says, even though you were a sinner, I still died for you. He's also telling you that He can wash your sins in the blood of the Lamb. And if He washed your sins in the blood of the Lamb, you've been cleansed from all sin. And so you're confessing not only that you're a sinner, but you're confessing He is who He says He is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. And so here we trust. But notice He says that you've been sealed. Oh, I like that word. Sealed. Now, understand the context. When Paul, uh, in the time of Paul, uh, when they would do letters, they would take the letter or any type of an official document and they would take some hot wax and they would put that hot wax, they would roll the letter up or the document, put the hot wax and then they would put a ring over that and impress it upon that wax. That sealed it. And then the one, the carrier, whoever he was taking it to, would, uh, would take it to the person. And when he received that, he knew it was official because of the seal. Now, we also see, and the Bible talks about kings. Kings would have their certain seal, if you would. And if they were going to pass a decree or, or, or anything like that, uh, they would uh, seal it with the, their seal. Now, we understand Jezebel misused this. You all know the story. Jezebel uh, forged uh, Ahab. Ahaz. She forged and she stole his seal, gave it to the carrier and said, you need to take it to Naboth. And the men were going to kill him. Now we understand it was a bunch of lies. The king never sent that, but she did. But because that it was his seal, it was official. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit's done for you. The Holy Spirit has sealed you. And because He's sealed you, He's given you authority. You understand? He's given you authority. Authority to do what? He's given you authority to be His witnesses. And to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So now when you go out in the name of Jesus... You're going under His authority. The little girl that I told you that was very upset because she'd been trying to tell people about Jesus and they kind of blew her off. That's what she needed to be reminded of. That she had authority to do that. And she was not the one being rejected. But the one that she was coming in the name of was being rejected. We've been sealed, which means we have security. We as Baptists have gotten, some have gotten us a bad rap because we believe in eternal security. By the way, that's not Baptist doctrine. That's Bible doctrine. I make no apologies to that. And I always like to ask those that believe that you can lose it. Where's hope in that? There's no hope in that. 
But I have blessed hope because I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it this way. He says, if you've been put in my hand, and I, this is Mike's translation, I'm going to wrap my mighty fingers around you and I'm going to not let anybody take you out of my hand. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. And I'm giving you hope today. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, my dear friend, here's what the devil, the first thing the devil is going to jump you about is about your security in Jesus. Because if I can take your security or if he can get you, uh, take you from your security, then he's got all of you. Jesus says, if you come and placed in my hand, I'll hold you into the day, into that day. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm the only one stirred up about this. Do you understand what you have in Jesus Christ? You've been sealed. Hey, it's a done deal. Hey, signed, sealed, and delivered. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's what we have in Jesus Christ. And so here he says, uh, and we're reminded of, that we have all of this wealth. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is continuing to work in our lives. The Holy Spirit is, is nurturing us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us. The Holy Spirit is, is helping us to be what we need to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing that I found out and, and some of those that I talked to. Uh, they said, I, I'm just, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough for Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit working in that child's life. I, I listen, take children. They, hey, I, I got grandkids, I know. They'll, they'll, if you ask them what they're doing, especially if they're not doing right, what are you doing? Nothing. Oh, that, uh, they're doing something. Because when they're doing right, they're happy to tell you. Hey, what you doing? I'm reading a book. Hey, what you doing? Oh, I'm cleaning my room. Which, don't hear that much, but. <laughs> hey, but when the Holy Spirit, hey, it's not, a nat- it's not our nature to say, I want to do more for Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit in you, working in you, helping you to realize you need to be doing more. Putting you under conviction. He, he's, he's put someone here today under conviction. I, I'm, you're saved. You know you're saved, but you know you're not doing all you ought to be doing for the Lord Jesus. You're just not. How do we know that? Because look at our community. Go ahead, corporately. We're not doing what we ought to be doing. Why? Because look at our community. And the shadows of the church... People are dying and going to hell. We ought to get stirred up. And the Holy Spirit ought to be convicting you. The Holy Spirit ought to be convicting me. I can do more for Jesus. I know I can do more for Jesus. The question is, will I do more for Jesus? That's where we're at. We are so wealthy, but yet we're living so poorly. 